March in Uganda and Tanzania. But as we prayed about it, we decided that the normal way of telling about a trip, which is showing some nice slides and some pictures and, and telling some, some uh, great testimonies, is not what we were led to do. Um, it's not about our trip, and it's not about us. It's about uh, the people we've met, and it's about our identity as the redeemed, our identity <laughs> as the redeemed. And so we've been reading and studying a lot, uh, both in preparation for the trip as well as uh, since we've returned. And one thing we're learning is just how small we've made the gospel, just how narrow we see the gospel. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit. Oh, that's our family. <laughs> Yes, our two great granddaughters. Great, no, our two great, not great granddaughters. <coughs> yeah, we're not quite that old yet, but um, and if they have children, I'm, I'm, I'll be shocked. So, <coughs> um, Amy Sherman wrote a book called Kingdom Calling. It's one that we've read recently. I recommend it to anyone. Kingdom Calling. It's a book that uh, calls all of us to think seriously about what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to or for. This is a quote from her. The too narrow gospel tells us what we've been saved from, sin, hell, and death. And that is very good news indeed. But the gospel of the kingdom tells us not only what, what we're saved from, but also what we're saved for. We have a purpose. We have a sacred calling. We have a God-given vocation to partner with God in his work of restoring all things. What could be more exhilarating than that? She goes on to point out that we've, been all, we've all been taught to ask Jesus into our hearts. And again, that's fantastic. It's really exciting to ask Jesus into our hearts. And many of you, hopefully, are asking others to ask Jesus into their hearts. But that doesn't reflect Jesus' own words. There's no place in the Gospels where Jesus talks about asking him into our heart, his heart. He calls us to follow him, to enter his kingdom, to join his heart. And we see in his heart a life of reaching out to the poor and the sick, in his anointing to free the captives and release the prisoners. In Luke 4, we see him called to evangelism, compassion, and justice. Sherman said, Jesus' gospel, his gospel, centered on his announcement that the long-awaited kingdom had broken into human history. He set human beings in that paradise, us, where they enjoyed perfect shalom, peace with God, peace with self, peace with others, and peace with the created order. But after the fall, we know what happened. Shalom was broken. Enter Jesus, the Redeemer. 
Jesus' redemptive work is shown to go beyond saving individual souls. His redemption has accomplished nothing less than the promise of restored paradise where shalom in all of its dimensions will reign. One final thought by way of introduction, and then I'm going to actually just tell some stories, short stories. And we're going to leave more than usual time to talk with each other. I know some of you, if you're like me, are thinking, oh, no, maybe I can sneak out the back door. But this, this will be worthwhile, I promise you. Once you understand the broader gospel, once you go beyond the narrow, the too narrow gospel, once you understand that Jesus has a bigger agenda for you, you will begin to hear and appreciate that holy discontent that he's put inside of you. Have you ever heard that before? Holy discontent. I believe it's a God-given awareness of some area of creation in which shalom has not been realized. For one, it might be the sense of sadness you have when, when you see a young baby with a disability. For another, it might be that sense of outrage you experience when, when you hear about a school shooting. For one, it might be the anxiety you feel when you hear about children starving in India. For another, it might be the utter disbelief that mankind is still trafficking other human beings. You know what it is inside of you. Something that makes you cry. Something that makes you angry. Something around which you feel urged to just do something. And I believe that God is calling to your redeemed heart to join him in the continuing reclamation of the redeemed world. Hey, look at this. I've got a new iPhone. Oh, cool. I've always wanted an iPhone. <laughs> Thank you so much. This, is, this, was really, this was really nice. I promise I won't knock it on the floor. <clears throat> So today I will not be preaching or teaching. I will be telling stories. These are true stories, true stories of things that have happened, are happening, and are yet to happen. And when you think about it, that's the way God sees things. He sees things as if they were already happening, even though they may not have happened yet. So these are stories about people like you and me. These are stories about you and me. And in the end, we'll have a chance to write the beginning of your own story, one that you will all tell us someday in the future. You'll be up here or someplace else telling your story. So I'm going to start by talking about a youth in Kenya. This is not somebody we know, but we just heard about him uh, when, we were, when we were in Tanzania at a conference um, through a program that we learned about there, someone loaned him the money to buy a farmer's kit. That's everything he needed to launch an agribusiness on one acre of land. I mean everything. It came with the seeds. It came with the um, greenhouse. It came with the, the tubing for irrigation. It came with everything, including training and the work of I think we're still on the very first slide. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's why. Right. Just stay there for a minute then. <laughs> um, 
I noticed I was kind of flipping around over there, so I thought maybe I better give you a little bit of direction. <clears throat> this is a, it's a fantastic little kit, everything he needed. So he took this kit that from, from somebody loaning him the money. He took the kit, and after the first growing season, he took the proceeds from the crops, and there was enough there for him to buy seed to plant again as well as to pay back most of the debt. He planted again and used the profit to buy seed again and pay back the rest of the debt and rent another acre of land and buy another kit. Now he's up to five kits, five acres. He's employing managers and workers on the land. He's feeding his and their families and bringing enough in for profit and growth. In Uganda, one acre of land can produce about $3,500 in profit in each of two growing seasons a year. Now compare that to the average family income of 300 to $500 a year. It's incredible. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing. But, but so many people are caught up in subsistence farming that they don't understand that this is actually, can actually be a business, and they don't understand how to break through it. Um, we have, uh, we, if anybody's interested in learning more about those farmers' tools, you can go to the next slide now. If anybody's interested in learning more about those farmers' kits and how you can get involved, talk to Linda or me. But this is a very interesting scripture. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And we'll talk about that piece in a different story. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is purchasing, uh, producing thanksgiving to God. This young man, a 20-something young man, has, has begun to change his whole village. He's employing people. The, the entire um, uh, quality of life is, is rising up because more and more people are making money. It's, it's an incredible outreach. All right, there's a short video here. Next. Oops, you went, you went right by it. And then if you hover down towards the left-hand side, you'll get the, there you go, and hit the play. I trust you've got the sound plugged in. Okay, no, no trust. No trust. Hold on. We'll do that again when the sound is plugged in. should be on the right-hand side of the computer. As you look around in this land that we bought, you can see over 30 families, uh, including both men, women, and children, uh, helping to work here to make ditches in which we are going to plant the bananas. The benefit of this land does not only come to us as the people that bought it, but it is helping the whole community. Once they get uh, paid at the end of the day, 
they go back happy, able to buy sugar, buy food at their homes. Therefore, it is a great, great privilege in this community for this land to be here and bought and in our hands. Uh, another advantage that I've seen is that through still this agriculture initiative, many of these people did not go to church anywhere. But as for now, some of these people truly come to our church. They, are, they love the Lord. That this whole village was known as a, a home for witchcraft. Almost every three families, one family has a shrine, and the shrines are there. And even on the, the day that we came to, uh, to inspect this land, we found uh, some kind of witchcraft that had been practiced in the land. And they also used to say, you cannot get any food uh, out of this land unless you practice witchcraft. But all these people around are amazed to see the harvest that we are getting out of this land. Go ahead. I don't know if you noticed that the, there was a woman in the back. Actually, there's several, but in the, in the picture itself, a woman in the back just dressed in yellow. She had a baby on her back while she was doing all that. That's the same kind of... And there were several people out there like that. They were digging these holes. But the, the cool thing about this is he's employing all these people from this, this rural area who usually have no source of income. We were out there with him um, for a couple of hours, and people were, I mean, that was hard work, but people were smiling and laughing and chatting with each other and yelling across that, you know, we couldn't understand a word they were saying, but they're probably saying, oh, mine's deeper than yours, dude, come on, get busy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were having a great time, and he was truly changing the, the city. I want to tell you now about a nurse, and I've actually told, we've actually told you this story before, but she worked her way through nursing school, and then she landed a job in a medium-sized city. She borrowed money based on her salary to buy a small dress shop for herself and set up both her brother and her mother in business, and she's using her total salary to pay off that debt. She lives in a house that's maybe as big as this front room, including the bathroom. It's not, I'll bet it's not, come to think of it, but including the bathroom and bedroom. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, more like up to the arches to here. That's about how big the room is. That's where she lives. Um, through her dress shop, she's teaching young women to be entrepreneurs She's giving them the skills and the salary to start their own businesses. She's using the shop as a platform to give classes to young women on how to become independent in the workplace, which is a big thing in Uganda. She uses some of her profits to produce a weekly radio program aimed at raising the self-esteem of girls and women. This is a tremendous difference. Just a tremendous difference. When people lend, when people take of themselves and they give. Now granted, this is to her family originally, but she's touched many, many non-family members, setting them up in business so that they too are touching their families and many, 
many non-family members. She was called as a little girl to Christ. She was freed from sin and sickness and death. But this is what she was freed for, to reach out and to change other people's lives, to redeem this city, to redeem the lives of all these people. A group of about 20 teachers, they teach for Pastor Dawson, who is, who you, who is the person you heard on that, that tape, have chosen to stick with this village primary school in Busambadia, Uganda, even though their pay is only about half of what it should be. They are using their considerable skills and talents with the power of the Holy Spirit to reach an entire Muslim community through their Christian school. Rather than hold out for better wages, they are seeing their investment in the school as a long-term investment in the community, in their own families, and in the kingdom of God. They are believing that God himself will restore all that is lost as they strive to make the school the premier primary school in the region. They believe that as students thrive, so will the community. And as a result, the school will become highly sought after. Enrollment will increase, and with it, so will their salaries. They're actively partnering with a transformation partner, Pastor Dawson, who you've met, and, the, and his church, and seeing dramatic results. Go to the next one. Yeah, thank you. Just think about loving the Lord so much that you're giving yourself to others. We sing, we have wonderful worship here at, at Lydia House. One of the things that Amy Sherman's book points out, though, is that, and this, this was done an actual survey of all the, all the most popular worship songs at the time she wrote that book, which is just a couple of, two years ago, I think, um, an actual survey that 97, 98%, 95% of all the worship, popular worship songs are about me and Jesus. And that's wonderful. I mean, it is. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. The songs that we sang today, they warm my heart. They do. I mean, I, I, can, just, I can just sit and I, I just soak them up. But what about the other part of the gospel? What about the sending out? What about the giving ourselves into the lives of other people? What about the reclaiming of the cities and the nations? What about the kingdom work? So I hope that the kind of worship that we have here buoys you up and challenges you for that, even if we don't hear it in the songs. But now that you've heard that, now that you've heard that word, that, that every time you hear and, and sing and, and, ask, and ask Jesus just, just to cuddle up with you, that you're doing it for a reason. Next one as well. These teachers believe in teaching the children. There's some of you here that are teachers. There's some of you here that are involved with children. This is a sacred commitment that you have. And it goes well beyond the child, the, the child or the children that you have sitting in your classroom or in your, in your um, babysitting group or whatever it is. 
or if you're if you're a single mom or a married mom and you've got your kids, it goes well beyond that. Understand that you are sending these children out. There's a successful business owner. She, um, after a successful career in banking in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, she's taken early retirement. And she is systematically reinvesting into her home community, a small village some four hours to the north. She's built a restaurant, purchased surrounding buildings, and remodeled them as office space, conference space, and retail. And finally, she's refurbished a hostel to provide safe, clean housing to travelers. She saw an opportunity to partner with a nearby college that specializes in the hospitality industry, and she's been able to hire graduates to run these businesses. She's purchasing specialty foods from local women for the restaurant and the hostel. Her goals are to build the village into a desirable travel destination, prosper the local businesses, and to provide alternatives to the sin trade that currently holds an evil grip on that village. So this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, this last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, she was invited to come and speak on community development and to tell her story of moving from a devout Muslim to a follower of Christ who's making a major difference in their community. You see, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. You saw that flashed on that video. I'll go to the next one. And when the wicked perish... There is joyful shouting. You see, because the righteous, when they are entrusted with freedom, whether that be their own personal spiritual freedom or the financial freedom, they understand that it's not to hold, it's to give. So when the righteous are prospering, everyone prospers. That's why the city rejoices. That's why there's joyful shouting. We went, when we were in Uganda last time, we went to a town in western Uganda called Mubende. And there, a small group of pastors, I think there were probably about 10 or 12 pastors altogether, saw that prosperity and even sustenance was being withheld from them and their congregations. This is not God's plan. It is not God's plan for us to be dirt poor. By the way, it's not holy to be poor. Okay, I mean, it, I know some of us have been brainwashed with that. I was all my, all my early years that it's somehow holy to be poor. You go find that somewhere in Scripture, and then, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, but you're not going to find it there. Um, the poor can be holy, but it's not holy to be poor. Okay? Um, they were barely eking out a living, and they were watching all of their people have the same problem or worse. So they banded together, this small group of pastors, and they made a plan for systems change. And they each put in a small amount of money every month. And I mean a small amount, because they don't have much. And together, they were able to buy a pregnant sow. And from the piglets, they provided meat for the immediate needs of their families. But in addition, they bred the remaining piglets and began raising pigs. And using the latest knowledge and techniques, they are creating an agribusiness that will soon employ many of their parishioners. 
They will be supplying pork to the community, breeding stock for other farmers, and providing manure for the production of methane gas for cooking. So in the midst of their own efforts, they began teaching their congregation the same thing that we were teaching them that day and that we're teaching you today, that the call of the gospel goes beyond the saving of individual souls to the saving of the community, the restoration of the land, and the reclamation of the kingdom. You can put up the next slide, and you can look at it, but I'm just going to keep going. I told you this story once before, too. This is about a, uh, a junior high school student. So what is that age? Probably 14 to 13 to 16, something like that. Came back from a transformation conference with a burden to reclaim his school for the kingdom. He began by finding a couple of friends to pray with every day. That number quickly grew until many kids were praying for the classrooms, the teachers, and the students. And they prayed over the lockers, and they prayed through the hallways and around the parking lots and the athletic fields. And at the end of one year, there were dramatic, measurable changes for the good in graduation rates, the school's academic record set up compared to other schools, and the incidence of bullying and school fights dropped off to zero, all from prayer. He took that on himself. Okay, now, now imagine yourself, especially you younger ones, or you older ones when you were in school, junior high especially, imagine yourself standing up and saying, hey, let's all get together and pray every day. And all you need is about one person to say, <laughs> How lame is that? Oh, no, I was just kidding anyway, man. No, really, I was just kidding. It was just a joke. Can you imagine what it takes to stand up and say, no, I'm going to follow through on this? He built a cadre, an army of prayers that joined him. That's fantastic. The next slide is, is one that you all know. I searched for a person among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap for me. I never liked the last part of that. I could not find one. We're it. We're those who will stand in the gap. We're urged to pray, next slide, give petitions and thanksgiving on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority. One of the worst things I think happens with Christians, I just, it just, I cringe when I hear this, is when I hear Christians all kind of talking about bad about the president or the governor or their senator or their mayor or whatever. Folks, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to pray. And if we're talking bad about them, that's curses. It's the opposite of blessings. Um, somebody asked me what, what was going on in, in a different church that, that we participate in because there's, there's kind of a divisive thing going on. And, you know, we're real reluctant to talk about it because as we talk about it, it's very hard not to talk about it in a way that singles out one side is wrong and one side is right. Mm -hmm. Instead, we choose to sow blessings mm -hmm. into both sides as if there were really such a thing. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you too will have welfare. This is, you know, even if you've got nothing but selfish motivation, this is a good reason to start praying for your city. It's so you too will have welfare. 
The next little story, a family of artists. People many of you know have chosen to use their various talents to reclaim the arts and the arts community for the kingdom. They're conducting dance classes in Godtown, focusing mostly on young girls from poor families. And they're watching as these girls rise up in self-esteem and begin to see how they too can serve the Lord, even in their circumstances. This family is choosing a life in the inner city so that they can be close to and affect the lives of others through the arts. I think you might, yeah, you might know them. Matter of fact, they're, they're here today. So if you're interested, you might want to talk with them. They're actually planning a trip to Uganda sometime in the future with us and um, with the express purpose of using the arts as part of a three-pronged attack against sex trafficking in that region. So their work will protect young women from the lies and the deceit that lure them into that life of slavery. Slide, the next slide. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's several passages that say, do I desire sacrifice? And sacrifice, there's nothing wrong with sacrifices. Sacrifices are wonderful. But what kind of sacrifice truly pleases the Lord? Is it giving up food for Lent? Is it giving up watching the news? I'm sure that does please him. If that's something that that grabs you and and, um, has a hold on you, then by all means, sacrifice that. But the sacrifice that truly pleases the Lord is when you recognize that whatever you're free from frees you to and for something else. This last story. There's a growing house church in Roseville, Minnesota. You may have heard of it. And this house church was moved by some of its Sunday school uh, students. You may even know some of these Sunday school students to join them in sponsoring a student from the Mount Zion Education Center in Uganda. You can put up the next slide. The children worked together and raised almost enough money to pay the school expenses for this boy favor for a full year. The house church supplemented the rest and then gave a sizable donation to send us over there with the gift. This boy is one of many who are involved in this school, actively transforming the community of Busambadia, speaking into the lives of Christians and Muslims alike, improving the level of education in the region, increasing the chances for self-sustaining employment, and sending highly motivated and prepared people, students like him, into all walks of life. Well, what's the end of this story? Well, all of you will be able to participate and are participating in how it turns out. Next slide. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? Now, you guys are well beyond being infants and nursing babies. But because you were the kind of infants and nursing babies you were, you are now the kinds of students 
that are making major differences in the lives of people halfway around the world, as well as in your own schools. A shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Who are we talking about there? Jesus. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. And then going on to the next slide and the rest of that quote, you will understand that we are Jesus' descendants. He has sent us to do everything that he does. With righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. That's what we're called to. That's a big vision. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Yes, this is about Jesus. But it's about every one of us too. We are to be those little children that are leading. Lydia House is walking in to the full gospel. I really, truly believe that. I believe that we are understanding and celebrating not only what we have been saved from, but exercising the freedom of what we have been saved for. Joining in with Christ and his ongoing redemptive work of reclaiming everything that was lost. I believe we are hearing and experiencing those stories these kinds of stories and the kinds of stories that you will tell so that we can truly grasp our full calling to co-reign with him, preparing the nations and all of creation for the triumphant return of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven on earth. We are proclaiming ourselves as the righteousness of Christ. We are restoring the kingdom of this day and age as well as in the age to come. Put on the last slide. I challenge you now. I'm going to pray first, but I challenge you now to, to turn to each other. If you, want to, if you want to walk around, get to somebody else, but in small, I mean small, maybe two, at the most three people groups, and talk about what is your holy discontent. Ask the Holy Spirit, what's roiling up inside here? What makes me cry? What challenges me? What makes me angry? When I look out there, when I read the news, what is it? What's my holy discontent? And then answer the question, what are you going to do about it? Starting tomorrow. It doesn't matter what job you have, whether you're in school, whether you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter. What matters is whether you are going to rise to this challenge, the call on your heart to fix or to restore or change the things around you. What can you be doing right now to begin exercising the freedom you've been given? How can you use that platform you have as a student or as a homemaker or as a business owner or a professional or whatever it is, an evangelist, a pastor? How can you use that platform? Identify an actual action you will take. Don't just say, well, I can, you know, I can, I can be better at talking to my, my kids about this. Okay, fine, great, 
Now, what are you going to do exactly? What are you going to say? When are you going to say it? Then, over the coming months, you will begin telling your story. And when Paul stands up in the middle of the service and says, okay, just anyone, everyone, wherever you are, a little testimony, how God has been working in your life, you're going to be able to stand up. And you're going to say, this is what happened. I realized what I was free from and understood a holy discontent in my heart and that I was free to or for changing that. And this is what God did through me and my platform. So Lydia House people, in Jesus' name, I pray over you right now. Holy Spirit understanding of who you are and who you are meant to be. I pray over you a freedom to move beyond the wonderful gift you've been given of being freed from so that you can be freed for. I pray an anointing on you that you are anointed the same as Jesus was anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to free the captives, to open the eyes of the blind. And I say that you are well equipped to do these things. Each and every one of you is equipped. Each and every one of you has everything you need for life and godliness. And as you go into these small groups, I send you forth from those. I send you forth with the whole gospel, the wide gospel of reclaiming all that Jesus has restored. In his name, amen. So turn to each other, get to work. Um, If you've got pencils or uh, iPads or whatever, um, begin writing down your plan so you don't forget it. Make actual commitments. You can leave this slide up for a little while, please.